0: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo.
1: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host Phil Llewellyn. Thank you for joining us for season five, where we're discussing all things coaching. My guests are going to present their key learnings from a piece of content of their choosing, and we then discuss its application. Three outstanding guests join me this week, so I'll hand over to them to introduce themselves.
2: Hi, I'm Sam Jarman. I work with players and coaches in a number of different sports, including golf, rugby, cricket, football.
0: Andy Morrison, um, I'd class myself with the vague title of mental performance coach work almost exclusively with pro golfers sharing what i see around the inside understanding three principles that's the direction i'm looking in and players can find me if they're curious
3: my name is simon mundy so i'm a broadcaster pop-up on the radio uh, occasionally on telly i've uh, got a podcast uh writing a uh, an aspiring author shall we say Uh, and to Nick, Sam's phrase, a budding amateur philosopher with an interest specifically in
1: awareness and non-duality. Fantastic. Gents, absolute pleasure to have you all on. Uh, Really excited for this conversation. So just before we do begin, uh, a reminder for all those listening to check out the blurb on Rugby Coach Weekly for the links to resources that we discuss. So uh, Sam, we're jumping over to you first if you want to kind of tee us up and introduce the topic. I
2: think it's... More about having a new language to describe how we experience coaching, life, sport, um, rather than when we when we st- first start to get into this conversation, it, it can appear that hang on a minute, this is this is going to change everything. This is going to change, you know, the way I feel about things, the way I see things. It's going to change the world. And what we actually see is that when you start to to have a a different conversation around sport and about life. What you see is actually the world world hasn't changed. It's just that we're gradually developing a different language and different models of how we see the world and how we relate to the world and how we relate to each other, how we relate to, um, you know, our experience. So, as I say, I think when we talk about the phrase that gets thrown around is non-duality and, and, or, um,
3: uh,
2: understanding more about who you are. The, as I say, the, the, the idea that it's, it's going to change the world is not true. It's just what happens is the way you perceive the world and the way you perceive yourself changes. So I think that's, that's what's going on with a lot of these, these conversations that we're hearing these days, whether it's say Johnny, Johnny Wilkinson talking about this stuff, or um, Ruby Tui, or any of these people that that seem to be, say, they're talking about stuff in a different way. They're not. It's not that the stuff that they're talking about has necessarily changed all that much. It's just the way that we're relating to it in terms of our language and the models that we're that we're using to to sort of conceptualise it have changed. So that's what I think is going on here. It's, it's to say, it's not a massive um, yeah the world isn't changing just the way that we're seeing it it's changing Simon I could see you're itching to jump in there and please do you can read me like a book Sam um, I've, I've just
3: would add to that um, that for me it's uh, it is a bit about it is a big part about experience and and our experience of the world so um, for me um I think the key thing is awareness and awareness is this, I heard someone describe it in a book recently as, as a difficult concept to get your head around. And the thing is, that's because it, it, you can't conceptualize it yet. It is the, um, the thing that we are most, the primary experience that we have and It's very easy to overlook because we are so used to putting our attention on objects. So things, you know, whether that be the sight of Sam and Andy's face or um, the sound of cars driving by or even thoughts passing through our mind. So we're used to putting our attention on things, on objects, anything with an objective um, reality to it but uh, a nice quote i like is what you focus on grows and so if i know it was adjishanti who said that and so if you can become aware of simply awareness itself i think first of all you become aware oh there is some as rupert would say there is something that is aware of my experience and then it comes into the background of experience and then it comes as you put your attention more on a, on awareness itself into the foreground of experience. And then eventually, I would say it becomes experience itself. There is nothing but that. There is nothing, no part of experience that isn't made of or touched by or lit up by a, awareness. So for me, that's it's that experience of rather than being a thing, moving around in a world of things, it's actually no, there's just experience and awareness appearing as things and and so fundamentally like sam says nothing changes but my experience or one's experience of it can shift and whether that's a perception of it or not i don't know you know perhaps it's semantics it's language but for me it has been an experiential thing we've even like walking down the street and and you know, it, it feels very different than walking around in
1: this sort of world of objects and dead matter and all that kind of stuff. That, that tees up quite nicely as I wrote a note down um, just before we we came on. I was like, where where do you start with this? Because Simon, I listened back to your um, interview with Rupert Spira yesterday in the car, just, just because uh, to my mind, that's still one of the best podcasts I've I've listened to. and I, I just love his clarity of clarity of thought, I guess, around this. Like I think he just explains it really, really well, in as much as it's we're not seeking that that was the big thing that I think comes across in that, that we're not, when you talk about happiness or experience or understanding or any of this type of stuff, as soon as we start actively searching for something and looking for something, we we've maybe kind of missed the point of that because as as soon as you start looking, you know you're not going to find something. So Actually, in my head, it became very much about taking taking a step back. I find with this, it's it's very much about removing lots of the blinkers and lots of the predetermined um, conditions that, that society or our version of reality, I guess, like imposes on us. So I'm trying to kind of strip stuff away and go, this isn't necessarily truth. This isn't necessarily, it's it's a version of a reality. And and Sam, I mean, we have this conversation a lot, right? And I still, still trying to get my head around that piece of, you know, it's one experience and it's 7 billion perceptions of that one experience. And, and I always use that as a grounding because I kind of go, we're all sat here. I'm having one of an experience. And and so are you guys, but that's not necessarily the same. Like that, that the reality is different for everybody. And and I always have to try and keep that in my mind when, like as a coach, I get feedback and I have these interactions and people are going, well, I think it's this. And I'm like, how the hell have you got that from what I just said? Like this, the. but I need to go That That's your reality. That's what you've seen and heard and listened to and everything else. That's your perception of the experience we've just had. And, and for me, that helps just keep a, I guess, a position of, of understanding without getting a little bit lost in. You. So um yeah, and I, 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 yeah. So I guess it, it is. Where, where where did you guys start on this? Um, I'm not going to say it's a journey or a discovery. Like, how, how did you come across this? How have you thought about this and experienced this? What? Tell me a little bit about your kind of individual stories, if you could.
0: Andy. Yeah, um, mine was definitely as a seeker. NLP, hypnosis, a lot of interventions to keep my head on on the golf course so golf golf game was pretty good mental game was appalling because it was it, it goes back to what sam just mentioned there it was around the language and the descriptions that i bought into on the golf course that veiled my experience so to me it was i started to see that the more i intervened in my experience to attain retain resist the further away from my golf game i got but it took a, a lot of years to exhaust the techniques out there. And because all those techniques were based on my sense of need, I just got more needy. Oh, that's not the right technique. That's not the right coach. Or it's not me. And so I walked away from the game because I was really disillusioned with my experience whilst I played. And then through Jamie Smart and Sam and Dick and Bettinger, just got interested in with where they were pointing that was 10 years ago, and exploration has gone on from there. Yeah. But I started to see the descriptions and the language and the models that veil my experience. But I take on board what Simon said, experience is experience. It's only me veiling it that makes it look like it's disappeared. And that makes sense. Could I,
3: Sam, do you mind if I just pick up on that? Because I thought that was a really lovely explanation. And my journey, and I am going to use that word, very much uh, copies Andy except mine wasn't to do with getting better at golf it was to do with life and Mm -hmm. and myself and so I was seeking for answers as to why I felt for example insecure a little bit of disquiet inside etc and did many of the things Andy did started with NLP um, you know positive positive thinking whatever it may be and then um, through various serendipitous things that happened in my life around, particularly around 2013. um it sort of, it was weird. It was almost like surrendering. There was an element of surrender to it. Um, and then from that, it led me in a path I never would have anticipated because I think when you start seeking, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't, I don't know if Andy and I'm, to what degree Andy and Sam agree with this, but I never would have anticipated where it would take me i was sure there was someone that needed fixing there was a way of fixing it uh there was it was there was a me to improve etc etc um and like andy said it actually it's the me is the veiling of that mm-hmm. and so it's almost come full circle uh, with various uh, um, you know experiences that have dotted along the way introductions to people most recently Sam, now Andy, yourself, Phil, but dating back through to Rupert Spira, Eckhart Tolle, blah, blah, blah. That that made me go realise actually it was a it was a journeyless journey, you could say. It was like there was nothing actually to fix. Um it was that was just a belief that 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 I'd identified with. So yeah, that that's been mine. It's like a journey back to where I started, really.
0: I think for me, it has been a dissolving of description is the best way I can put it. I described my golf game in 101 different ways and not one of those descriptions was my golf game. They were just my ideas around that. But that brought with it, I say, this veiling, this insecurity. And because they were happening simultaneously, it looked like my insecurity came from my golf game. That was really compelling. And everybody went to see four techniques and that confirmed one
2: yeah that's the you know you guys have both summed that up really nicely it's the problem we've got is you're you're you're, and i forget who said this it wasn't me but it, it it bears it out your your intellect can only go where your language will take it so if you haven't got the words to describe or the 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 concept to describe something you can't communicate it and and as coaches and as you know whatever we describe however we describe ourselves as what we do there's two things going on there's obviously how you show up and the place that you're showing up from which for me that's that's what I've understood to be the most important thing about whether I can actually whether I'm going to be of any use to anybody and the second thing is the the language then that you can To use that you can use that hopefully will be different to some of the language that they've heard because you you know we talk about experience and yes the primary the, the the if you like the bottom level of our experience is beyond description is beyond the models is beyond the concepts that's it's 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 pure it's un unjudged it's undescribable but that's not a lot of help as a coach because you have to make sense of it to people and the problem as I say the problem that most people have got is not that reality's wrong it's that their model of reality is wrong (laughs) or that their beliefs about reality is wrong so you you know what what I think Andy was saying it it, it's it's about stripping out stuff to start off with And, and as a human being I don't believe that we can get to a point where we can just live Purely exper- experientially, we can have glimpses of it, but we're we we, we we're wired up to try and understand, to try and conceptualise, to try and make sense of stuff. So, you know, believing that you can get to a point where that's not going to happen is, I don't think, re- realistic or indeed desirable. But one thing I have learned is if that you're faced with someone or you meet somebody that's that's struggling for whatever reason the only reason they're struggling is because they've got some beliefs about life or some models of life or some concepts about life or so their golf game or their rugby game or whatever it is or their coaching or about themselves that aren't true that's it so you, you know all we're trying to do is to explore those beliefs with them, explore those models, explore those concepts, and just try and see if they can come to a realization for themselves that, oh yeah, you know, I believed that winning the trophy or getting my handicap to a certain point was gonna make me happy. (laughs) But then the last time I won the trophy, I was happy for two weeks, and then all of a sudden I wasn't happy again. So what's that about? Just exploring that experience and, and trying to maybe point to some, well, you know yeah that's that's how everybody's telling you that it works but maybe there's another maybe there's another option that's that's all that this conversation is about but as i say it's only it's only in the last probably 20 years that we've actually had the language to to, to be able to do that this isn't this isn't a new understanding it's been around for thousands and thousands of years you know they've been talking about this for five thousand years in india and in the far east and stuff but it's only recently in the West that we've started to have these, the the language and the, and the conceptual models that are satisfying enough to a Western intellect to be able to go, well, hang on a minute. We we can look all around us and see that what we're doing isn't working, whether it's in sport, whether it's in business, whether it's in, you know, with the environment, whether it's, whether it's, you know, just life. people, there's an awful lot of unhappiness and, and, yeah insecurity and unpleasantness out there well that's telling us something that's telling us that you know how we're seeing this and what we're the the ways that we're trying to interact with whatever it is that's out there they're not working so what are we going to do about it are we just going to try and do more of the same thing but in a different flavor or are we actually going to stop and start asking some questions about the assumptions that we've made over the last couple of hundred years and ask are they true are they serving us anymore they served us at some point because that's how they've become ingrained in society but maybe now's the time that they've stopped serving us
3: yeah i think um it's quite an exciting time it certainly feels like these conversations are happening more and more and you can slag off social media and smartphones and digital all you want but it certainly is good at being able to spread messages quickly for example the four of us been out to hop on a this call now it is testament to that. And well, what Andy, you were talking about golf and Sam, you alluded as well. And, and I think that, you know, golf sport as a metaphor, uh, for life. And that one of the, that you've already touched on Sam, one of those great beliefs is that when X happens, then I will be happy. And so for Andy, you mentioned about your technique, you know, or, 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 uh, when you did X, then the 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 game swang, um, the game flowed beautifully, and therefore you related it to to the technique. And the same is is true in life. And there's so many examples coming through. The most obvious for me, Johnny Wilkinson, I think, really explains it very well. That obviously when he kicked England to Rugby World Cup glory in 2003, and then described about how he felt so empty the next day. And really that precipitated, um, you know, a real mental health battle for him. And eventually, and credit to him for this, because I think a lot of people don't do this. They they think they just carry on searching, searching for more in objects and objects, you know, whether that be a relationship, whether that be a promotion, whether that be a car, whatever it may be. Um, whereas Johnny eventually started exploring okay let let me look inwards and and challenge this idea that as he says all this doing will create being you know all this suffering will create joy all this achievement will 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 get, lead to lead to peace and um and something that sam said about you know concepts and and models and and it's important with having the language to be able to point to this but i do also think that actually it's important to again, sort of come back to experience and um, as Rupert Spira says, become aware of being aware and sort of, it's been interesting. I remember hearing that for the first time and, and it, and, and you know, when like a seed gets sown and it, you know, it has some, um, there's something about it touches you, but you don't know why. And, and it doesn't quite land. And then you sort of fast forward a period of time. And it, it has flowered a bit. And so for me, that, that has been the case. Like I like, um, I'll just show you something real quick. I've got this thing. This is called a motivator, right? And it buzzes in my pocket. And it, what I try and do is just remind myself to, throughout the day sometimes just to become aware of being aware. And, and, it, and like I said, it, it just, it, it brings it to the forefront of experience or rather you know you see how it floods experience and so for me i think that's a really a a good starting point it's just first of all asking yourself you know am i aware and then perhaps exploring okay is there anything in my experience that doesn't depend on me being aware of it Um, and allowing that awareness which is inherently peaceful is inherently accepting is the the very thing that we are perhaps searching for when we think oh our happiness will arrive in the future when i get this red ferrari you know it that peace that happiness is inherent in that awareness which is sensitive open loving accepting and phil just as a final point you said about how everyone has a different experience right and it's true right so we have different thoughts feelings sensations perceptions those are all different in all of us but the the awareness that is aware of it the only characteristics that has are it exists and it's aware so actually to me at least it's exactly the same in me as it is in sam as it is in andy as it is in all seven billion of us and in, and in fact there is nothing but that <laughs> and and so i think just sort of and it starts with just becoming aware of awareness and stop being so fixated on objects as Rupert Spira says the highest meditation is being aware of being aware and it's a very simple starting point
1: I I love that and I think Johnny's a brilliant example and talked about it on on your interview and and with um Jake Humphrey and I think he says you know if you'd have come to if or if he'd have come across this in his 20s he'd have laughed and just dismissed it I think in his 30s it's kind of "Mm, yeah but it's it's not for me and then by the time he he is now, he's going, this is great. I really want to experience this and explore this. And and I just love, again, that self-awareness of his journey, because I think as much as he reflects now back on 2003, he clearly wasn't in the same place as a person, you know, inverted commas, psychologically, he definitely wasn't in the same space. So it's really interesting that we only ever reflect as the person we are now on what we thought and what we did then like you can't you can't ever be outside of that can you which is which is really difficult because and and I think we maybe fall into this trap of of thinking we're always the same and, and I challenge that quite a lot in I mean my master's lectures they probably got really really bored of me saying it because I'm not the same person I was yesterday as I was a week ago or five years ago and definitely not you know 10 20 years ago like how much of the stuff that i've experienced has shaped me and and i guess what i choose to believe or now actually understand that it is a belief like that awareness of this is just a thought like and a thought isn't inherently good or bad it's how i choose to interpret that how um constraints and and other things you know drive my thinking towards that and and i kind of come back to I guess that discussion around materiality is like the fight club quote is the best one for me. Like, you're not your car. You're not your job. You're not your whatever it is. He kind of goes on to say, and I, um, for me that just resonated because I definitely got caught into that trap of, Oh, I'll be happy when, And, and just having some really great conversations and being posed some questions that I didn't have answers to, to me, just really started that that process and that journey of stripping stuff away, going, well, I don't have, like, I've had this really random thought. I don't have to interpret that as anything other than than it. And Andy, we've had that conversation, you know, how, how often will things just come and go? And and it's just being really comfortable and accepting of, yeah, at the moment, I think that, but it's, it's, that doesn't have to shape my reality. Again, inverted commas, it doesn't have to drive what I do. I can just be accepting of the fact that, that kind of is what it is.
0: Can I add a bit on that? Go for it. Um, I think it, and some might back me up on this one, for me it was understanding where my experience was coming from. So aware of being aware is a really good end goal, if you like, but if you don't understand where your experience is coming from, it's a bit of a hamster wheeling. I definitely thought my experience on the golf course came from my performance. So my relief was going to come from have to perform better shoot lower scores swing it better and when that didn't happen I just went searching for the next experience or object for what was going to give me the relief so the conversations I have with players has got nothing to do with golf they understand that it's a golf vehicle but we are pointing back to what what Simon said it's stripping back or dissolving back into what's always been there when we're not in our conceptual mind and I do get that's quite a big leap for a layperson to look in but I think it the first question is like Sam alluded to where is my experience of me coming from and seeing that it's not coming from anything that I think do perform believe yeah expect.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's a, that's a really good point actually yeah like what so what we are not before what we are kind of thing yeah yeah the old neti neti. yeah that yeah. is a nice thing that is a good process you're right. So so I could
0: have had the, the advice of be aware of being aware but if I thought my experiences come from outside of me that wouldn't have made a proper difference
3: to me. Sure. And if you thought if you weren't aware that you weren't your thoughts then you get lost in thought thinking about awareness and conceptualize yeah. it yeah. Yeah. I and yeah, I think that's a fair fair point.
0: Cuz that was my compelling reality and all the coaching interventions I had confirmed that. Oh, I thought I was lacking Here's, here's an exercise or, or, or an intervention to stop you lacking. Just reinforce, oh, I am. I thought I was lacking. He's confirmed I am. So the only, only sort of um, result for me was relief. Mm. That was the only thing I, w- I was going for me with an intervention. Feel less lacking. That was there.
3: So perhaps a better place to start, Andy, then, rather than, like you say, and, and I take your point, perhaps a better place to start, I don't know what you, if you agree, would be to recognise that we are not our thoughts. And then mm-hmm. obviously we are not our, our our feelings, we're not our relationships, we're not our anything, right? But the thoughts is a really fundamental one, isn't it? Because so that's where most people seem to get their identity from.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess I would see it as more, as Sam talks about, is experience with thoughts is just a sort of a part of experience
2: yeah exactly thoughts are part of your experience but i think yeah. just but we're to... aware of them right yeah exactly e- exactly but where where are thoughts so your thoughts are arising in awareness the awareness is there you can have a you can have awareness without thought but you can't have a thought without awareness i am therefore i think <laughs> I, I know, therefore, I think, or I am, yeah, I am, therefore, I think, or I think, like, yeah, whatever, however you want to cut it <laughs> up. But I think just to tie all those pieces together, because there's, there's some lovely stuff in there. But what you were saying, Phil, was, you, you know, where we, where we say most of us would agree that, you, you know, I'm not the same person that I was when I was 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. We all, we'd, we'd all say that, and we're not the same person when we're at home with our families as we are when we're with our mates down the path. Yet we would still, in all of those situations, refer to ourselves as "I" or "I am." Well, why is that? What is the consistent, permanent, continuous element of the feeling of me that allows all those different experiences to arise within that? And and I, I was having this conversation with with some um people in education the other day where we're talking about you know having what 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 what's our ambition and and we were talking about having a good life or loving life and it's like well what is life in that context what do we mean by life and and most people when they're talking about i want to have a good life or i want my kids to have a good life what they're talking about is life as we experience it is just that it's a series or continuation of experiences linked together from one particular perspective and that particular perspective is what we call i or me well what is that well it's just the awareness of them that's that's it so the awareness that i experienced my life as a five-year-old the awareness that i experienced my life as a 15 year old the awareness that I experience my life when I'm down the pub with my mates, the experience of where I I experience my life from when I'm at home with with family, that awareness is the same, and that's what Simon's kind of pointing back to. And we say being aware of being aware, it's knowing that that is the that's the that's the the baseline of all this. It's it's the bottom of the reduction base. It's the ontological primitive I think is the philosophical word for it it's, it's 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 that from which everything else can be explained but you can't explain that in terms of anything else and that is 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 what underpins whatever religion philosophy spiritual tradition model of the universe you 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 want to use at somewhere in there there will be your baseline your ontological primitive and what what I've seen and, and what you know i'm sure simon and andy and, and and you you've seen as well phil is having that clear in your mind is what allows you to then go off and explore all the elements of experience because that's to put it bluntly you know who you are you're not constantly seeking that's what brings an end to the seeking is when you when you see that and you see that clearly because all of a sudden you know okay whatever else I, wherever else my mind goes wherever else my thoughts go Whatever my beliefs are, whatever experiences I have or don't have, I know who I am. I know, what the, I know what's going on. I know what, what this is. So I, I talk about the three big questions that most people are looking for answers for. Who am I? What is this? So what is the nature of my experience? What is, what is this reality that I'm living in? And what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? Hmm. What should I do in this experience? Those are the three questions. And exploring those, and I'm, I, you know, Andy, we've talked about this. Once you start, most people aren't looking at those questions because they seem too big, they seem too nebulous too out there but actually what they're seeking what they're actually doing in 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 their everyday life is asking little questions that are leading them to those three big questions so you know why am i playing sport why am i not enjoying my sport why is coaching sometimes great and sometimes it's a pain in the ass why you know why am i always worried about money all of those questions are leading us to asking one of those three big questions and as I say, what we tend to do is get caught up in the thoughts about those and the worries about those and the the beliefs about those. And, And, what we don't see is then, Well, actually, no, those questions just leading to the next question that's leading to the next question. That's what's really going on. And as Andy's found, and I've found, and I'm sure, you know, Simon, you've found as well. When you answer one of the little questions, what you then find is another question comes up. So it's the next technique or the next strategy or the next coping mechanism. That, that a coach offers you or, a, or a, you know, you read in a book or whatever. And it's great. It's great to explore this stuff. But once you've, you know, once you've underpinned everything with that certain knowledge of, of what I am is not limited, it's not finite, it's not physical, it's not material, it's something else, then you can start to, you know, either the whole skyscraper of this belief that belief structure that you have just comes crashing down and that's what happens when people have a a crisis or it's almost like the the jumper that you've been knitting you just keep pulling on that thread and gradually it just kind of unpicks itself and then you're left with oh okay well all of that's gone but I'm still here and I'm okay now what do I want to do Hmm.
0: on that bit there Sam do you think people don't recognize or, or see the eye that is expressing because they're caught up in expressions.
2: Perfect. That's exactly what happens. So if you, if you, this is a little exercise that I was doing with a group when I first started to see this and I, you know, I, people were writing down their problems and it was like, I am upset. I am frustrated. I am annoyed. I am angry. I am burnt out. I am under pressure. And we looked at, you know, you look at that right-hand list of pressure, stress, annoyance, frustration, and it's, right, okay, and people are going, right, I've got to fix that, I've got to fix the pressure, I've got to fix the situation that's causing that. And it just hit me, it was like, no, what's this, what's the consistent thing about all of those things? It's the I am part of that sentence. Mm -hmm. Well, what is that? Who is that? Who is this I am that is feeling all of these things? Because if I don't know who that is how can I sort out the stuff on the other side? So you're exactly right. It's the, you know, the expression, the feeling, the thought, the perception We're we're, 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 we're addicted to trying to fix that to make it more palatable or more acceptable or more pleasurable. But if you don't know what the eye, the, the, the awareness or the, 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 the stage on which that, if you don't understand the nature of the stage on which the play is, is is being played out it's very hard to understand the play so you
3: said phil about um the different uh, we're a different person five years 10 years 15 20 years and um obviously our knowledge and our experience or our knowledge and our thoughts and our body changes so everything we are aware of changes but i think it's quite interesting so i'm now in my just cross the 40 threshold. And I don't feel any different than when I was 22. Right? And my great granny is 99. And she's always like, you know, I don't I don't feel any different. And there's a massive clue there, you know, mm-hmm. in that w- w- there is a part of us that that we intuitively recognize is no, is no different. Um, and so yes, w- we're so fixated on the object side of things but that side you know does never change it does never go there is no dimmer switch it doesn't get any brighter It doesn't get any lower like it's it's completely consistent and is this as sam says it's like the stage upon which everything else is uh comes and glows including that the the me and, and which you know so I, I find identity a really interesting um subject so it's it's obviously a bit of a hot potato right now and for various reasons, but people are very fixated on it and might say things like, well, you know, if you said, Who am I? Well, I, you know, I'm a an accountant. Uh, I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm a father. I'm a, um, you know, whatever. And I I was just thinking about it in terms of my cat. So like, you know, my cat, I'll tell you what, right, two of them, Roger and Mariah, named after Federer and Carey. Uh, you can decide, work out for yourself which of me and my wife got which which one. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I think of my cat, like people think you need an identity to operate in the world. And my cats have, you know, the concept cat nor their names mean absolutely nothing to them. Yet they are better at self-care, should we say, than anyone I know. Fastidiously clean, Um you know like play when they want to play eat when they're hungry nap when they nap when they're sort of tired so i just think like this obsession with with identity and and obviously we need to honor like the things we need to do but when we turn them into who we are that's when things start sort of becoming um problematic and now i think just just as as a slight caveat cuz i don't want to sound like some you know enlightened person because the fact of the matter is a lot of the time I'm still walking around in my ego and and you know I do get stressed and and I do um uh, you know can feel under pressure whatever but the nice thing is is that you know that that awareness if let's should we say um that you can always become aware of it. it's always there and it's always available to just sort of it's like I don't know who said. Maybe it's Eckhart Tolle. And what problems have you got now? Right? Not in the future. Not in your mind. Um, you know, not in the past even. Right? What have? What problems have you got now? And right now? Well, okay. You, you might have a series of thoughts or perceptions or sensations or whatever, some uncomfortable or whatever, passing through. But you know that element that is experience of it is in- inherently peaceful. And so so Sam said about the three big questions for me, the one simple question was, you know, where do I find peace? That was the driving force for me. And I'm and I'm sure for a lot of people. In fact, you know, I know for a, a hell of a lot of people who, who come to this path, Rupert Sparrow, I asked him this question. He said he reckons 95 percent of the people who will end up, you know, uh, going to his talks or whatever come from a place of just wanting to find peace or or, or, um, a reduction of suffering or relief and so it for me it's just like where is peace found and and it's it's always there it's always available and it's nice to have that as a um it's it's not somewhere i'm you you know permanently stationed you know like i do get lost in thought i do get lost in 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 me like that i'd be lying if i said i don't but it's lovely to have it there, always there, utterly reliable. And, and I think like, as that quote, what you focus on grows, it's so nice to be able to, 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 just notice it becoming more and more, um, to the forefront of, of, of my own experience. If you want to put it like that, you know, it, it, and, and it is inherently peaceful. So it's very nice to have something reliable that's never goes anywhere that you can tap into for that piece. And then for me, you know, the, the other questions, whilst interesting, are almost, you know, they're not as as important as the peace one. In your experience? <laughs> In most people's experience, I would argue. It
0: goes back to what Sam said about the language and the models we use around that. We are all pointing to the same thing. We're just using different descriptions to point people there. Yeah.
1: I always, I always try and think of it as me still on the edge of like a little stream or a river and I'm looking at the forest in front of me and is the classic example like you can't you you can't see the wood through the trees but actually I I can't see that peace and contentment and and everything else that I might be searching for is actually behind me and and that's that consciousness so actually what I what I want to stop doing is stop looking at the trees and stop foraging and stop going and doing all this stuff in there and and just take a step back and and like my example of that would be a couple of weeks ago really stressful three days like coaching wasn't great and and there were conversations happening and just lots of things that I didn't feel I was influencing or being able to control which I appreciate is a complete illusion in itself but you you, you get caught up in that and my mind was just racing and racing and racing and it was really difficult to just sit there and go like it'll pass like I, I don't need to go and act out on this right now I just need to let myself like just might let the thoughts just just come and go like and they stayed for way longer than I wanted and that was a frustration which kind of then just builds on the frustration and I'm I'm getting a little bit more angsty with it and then I'm kind of just like to get to a point where I just go like it's just worked through do you know what I mean it's kind of just gone through the system and now it's out the other side and, and I'm then going But yeah, that's what it was. Like, I I can't change that. There's nothing, there's not really a technique or anything I could have done to stop those thoughts manifesting themselves and bugging me and everything else. But actually, the best thing for me was to just not do anything with it. Just, just try. And that's a real fight. And like, I, and I, it might come across like I'm being quite blase with that. And I've, I've nailed this and it's easy. Like, it's so difficult just to sit there and be like, don't do anything, it'll go, don't do anything, it'll go, like rocking in a corner, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, this is bad, but just just being comfortable because, uh, you know, Andy, we had the conversation a little while ago, like, funnily enough, it, it does. Like, I've never had a thought that hasn't come and gone. Like, there's nothing that's ever lingered for that long that it became anything other than just a thought like and it's just that complete misconception and the trap that I would always fall into previously is is just right I've got to act on that now and I've got to pick up the phone and speak to people and do stuff and that just kind of makes it worse and yeah and and I the, the whole then I guess identity piece that comes with that is that constant fight against my ego of like well I'm the head coach so am I in charge? Like, are people reporting to me? Like, why aren't they doing what I want them to do? And it just becomes this real slippery slope that, yeah, is is difficult to overcome. But I do, I love your quote, Sam, you know, you know who you are. My, my, and I, I guess my question is, if, if I added on, you know who you are, and you aren't someone, do you think that would be correct? Because that, that's kind of what I feel like. I, I know who I am. I, I don't actually think I could ever verbalize that or explain it because I don't have the language but I know I'm not this like I know I, I know I did an exercise I talked about on the podcast last week that came from Chris Jones on a mental health webinar that he talked about when he was on and you just you do a basic draw a circle and, and draw a load of lines like a bicycle spoke and, and add all the roles you play and I think I came up with 22 so you know brother uncle head coach assistant coach podcast host all these different types of things and again just the realization of I play all of these different roles, but they're not inherently me. Like what is in the middle? There's a load of other stuff that sits there, but actually behind that or at the center of that, I guess is just that consciousness and and awareness of that. Um, And I'm rambling, but the other one I did want to just jump in was, and again, it's not, it's just the best example I've got. A couple of years ago, just before I went to Canada, um, so this was 2019, a friend got married. And we're all, all out at you know, venue in the countryside and it was gorgeous and just sat on the sofa and people came and went and came and went and came and went. And at one point it was just me and I was just sat there and it really resonates me because I do think it was as close to just being aware of being aware as I probably got. And I was like, this is just ace. Like I literally love this moment because I, I kind of took that step back and recognised like it's a cliche term, like you're living your best life. Like I absolutely was. I was spending time with all the people that I love. They were all having a brilliant time. The evening was fantastic. I was just about to go away and travel. So it was the perfect moment to share with them and everything else. And it was just, I'm I'm just, I'm just here. Like I don't need to do anything else. This is just incredibly peaceful in- contentment level was just like off the scale if there is one and it was it was it's always the one that stuck with me just when I'm going like I'd love to yeah I don't want to look for that but I'd love that to happen more often because it was a pretty incredible feeling and I I do talk to lots of people and I think they get they do get similar things like where you just maybe have everything just dissolves all the barriers we create and everything you just you just get that feeling of wow like this is this is pretty awesome so there's no question in there I, I just wanted to share that because yeah it's um it's hopefully insightful for for people that are listening but um yeah can I can oh. I just add a quick
3: Eckhart Tolle yeah.
1: quote to that
3: it's, it's so so he always says you know accept each moment as if you'd chosen it and that's all that is isn't it it's like not wanting this moment to be different if you if the moment is if you're totally content with the moment however it shows up well then you are at peace it's just that it's that resistance or that seeking,
1: that that spoils the current moment. Should we say? Yeah, I love that's a brilliant quote, isn't it? It's like that, like you're going to go on a night out with yeah. Are oh, we going to have the best night tonight? As soon as you say that, it's like yo, it ain't going to happen you're now. In in it trouble. It? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it's the New week? Year's Eve. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the sporadic ones, the <clears throat> best ones, though, aren't they? Just because, again, you're not looking for it. Like you just you get caught in that flow there's probably three or four examples I can remember just, you know, talking in a nightclub to a mate and suddenly, I think it's like 10 to 11, and the blokes, the bouncers tapping me on the shoulder going, fellas, it's six o'clock in the morning, like, you need to go. And we're like, seriously? (laughs) This club shut hours ago.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) just ridiculous. So, yeah, I think, as you say, people get probably glimpses of that. Whether they put it all together, I've got no idea, but I guess that's kind of the, the fun of it, isn't it?
3: Can I just say one more real quick thing, Phil, just because you were talking about roles and I just find roles really funny. Like, so it's like, um, you know, if you're a psychologist some, or a broadcaster or a doctor or whatever, or let's say when you're in a shop and there's shopkeeper and someone being served or waiter and someone being served or whatever, it's just funny how people amend their behavior to fit their role and actually if you think about it it's absurd because it, it, all you ever are it's like us right now there's just four people sat there there's why would we why should we adapt the way we talk or the way i talk to you or sam or andy or anyone or a waiter or whoever it may be According to you know, concept of a role we play, and that is the really you know the funny thing. I think is, is seeing that in action, and, and you see it very much in broadcasting, in particular. You know, someone you'd have the chat beforehand, and then hit record, and it's boom into this into the character or a doctor when you go and see a doctor, and they treat you like you're just a medical record or whatever. You know, and and actually, like what? Why is there's just no need for that, really?
1: But phone voice is the best one of that, isn't it? like you, you I was in the office yesterday and we're just chatting and laughing and just being ourselves or whatever and then suddenly phone goes and someone's like and you're just like where's that come from like why can't you just go hello like it just uh, becomes yeah. this yeah you have to put something on and maybe we act way more than we think we do when we actually start reflecting on that like we're, we're constantly trying to be something in a role because that's what is expected of us. Like there, yeah. there are expectations that then influence how how we see ourselves, and I guess ego's probably got a role to play in that as well, right?
3: hundred percent. Gabo Mate has got quite a nice quote, which is just that the personality is just a defence mechanism, which I quite like. It's just something we learnt early on, you
0: know.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Were you going to jump in, Sam? Oh, go on, Andy.
0: It, do you, on that last point, do you find also with our perceived status, players will put that expectation on you? That you should know better than them in this instance, whereas, to me, when you look at experiences the of purity, there is no hierarchy. Absolutely, but, yeah.
3: That mental hierarchies is is the the cause of so much problem, isn't it? Yeah. And I think in sport, you know, I I used to see it like when I when I would be backstage at certain um, tournaments or events, and you'd see sort of ex players swanning around, you know, like like peacocks and it was mm-hmm. it was a bit tragic you know whereas the ones i admire are people who you know it doesn't so what if you've won x trophy or this medal or whatever it does it doesn't make you any different or any better than anyone else and i think that and johnny articulated that beautifully and he, so his his company's number one living no dot one so it's number one so he's always strived to be number one but you remove the dot and it's no one now, the simple message from that is you're not better than anyone else, but obviously it has a deeper message of you are no one, mm-hmm. right? But yes, I think mental hierarchies and celebrity and stuff like that, it's just a load of nonsense. And, and that's, in a way, um, the, the pandemic sort of sh- perhaps shone a bit of a light on that. I don't know if, if, you've, if you agree with that a bit. It seems to be, it become a bit more obviously ridiculous.
2: I think it's, it's back to the who am I question. If you are searching, because if you, if you don't know who you are, So you, we've all got a reasonable handle on it some of the time. Hmm. But what we know is when we get, when we struggle, we've got that place to go back to. If you've never seen that, you constantly think there's somewhere to get to, there's someone to become and you look around you and you think, oh, they seem to be having a good time of it. I want to be like them. I want that identity And so it's, as I say, that seeking is inherent with not knowing who you are because our natural, we want to understand, we want to make sense of stuff. We're, we're, we're at the end of the day, the brain is a symbol association, a pattern recognition mechanism. That's what it does. It wants to make sense, it wants to create a narrative and create a story. So the moment you see this, you're you're almost like it's you've been vaccinated you've been vaccinated against that seeking and that wanting to become and that neediness because it's like well yeah you you know and like you you say you can sort of sit back and watch the play that's going on in the room and just it's almost laughable isn't it it's like you know I, I love the example you you gave Phil of writing down that bicycle spoke like write down write down all of the things that you think you are all of the labels all of the identities all of the and then gradually put a line through and go, well, if, if I wasn't that, would I still be me? Would I still refer to myself as I? And it does, you can write almost anything down on that piece of paper and you'll put a line through it and go, yeah, if I wasn't that, I'd still be me. Well, okay, well, let's learn a little bit more about that. If that's what you are, primarily, essentially, before anything else, before any of the labels, Let's explore what that is. Let's try and find out a little bit more about that. Let's get curious about that. Whereas most people, are, most people spend their whole lives just looking for a better label.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: and just a quick on, on the hierarchy thing,
3: right? And, and so putting people in a hierarchy or whatever. And, and so like Sam says, if once I think you recognize this and the kind of how it can't be aggrandized or diminished, and, and therefore that, you know, it is completely flat, right. For all of us, a really nice, um, and I think Sam told me this, uh, just, to, or the quote that Francis Lucille came out with, which is just that the inevitable consequence is love is that if you understand that there's no way I could be better or worse than anyone or anything else, well then you know, and actually, I mean, you could go further than that, but just, just, just that simple understanding, right? Then why would you treat any, you know, that whole thing of uh, treating people who with a higher status better than you treat, you don't know, I don't know, uh, a homeless person on the street or someone with perceived low status, like it just goes, and you just treat everyone exactly the same. And that is a, a very nice, place to be and and you know in terms of a a vision for how the world could be better like that certainly if if that was a if if people just got rather than try to force it you know love thy neighbor like thyself right but just actually understood that that um you can't be any better or worse than anyone else then the world would inevitably be a much nicer place
2: all that love is is the absence of separation that's it. So when when I talk about love, you know, to a bunch of rugby players, you get some funny look, But it's like, <laughs> but everybody knows that experience of teamship and of bonding and and of, you know, that that being part of something and belonging and that's, that's love. That's the experience of love, which is the absence of separation. You know, it, oneness, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, so a coach asked me, like, you know, it's the inevitable. Yes, Sam, that's all very interesting, but so what that's the that's the great question actually because that I because that's it well you yeah yeah all this is great in theory but how is this actually going to show up in my life and it's like well you know if you're a coach what how do you you know we've got these coaching manuals and there's so much coach education out there so much information and it's like how can you sum up what we're pointing to simply and it's like just 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 love your players love the people around you and then do whatever you want because as I say, if you if you really take, and you understand what we mean by the word love in that context, the absence of separation, the fact that we are all one, there is no difference, there is no other, you're going to treat everybody as yourself, as you would want to be treated yourself. You know, you don't want to treat anybody else better or worse because they're you. You don't want to treat yourself any better or worse, well, because you're you. So, you know, why would you treat the, your star player any different than than a fan or a you know any other Mm. anything else you come across and again it's the it's the it doesn't just mean people this means everything that that we see around us why would you treat the environment badly if you didn't see yourself as other than the environment it's like you know people say i'm going for a walk in nature it's like no you are nature you can't be separate from it that's you Mm. so why would you drop a crisp packet that's you. You're, you're littering yourself, essentially, because that's who you are. There is no separation between you and everything else. There is only one thing going on and
3: you're it. And it's not just rugby players, I think, that struggle with this love concept. You know, like my wife isn't a huge fan of me talking like this either.
1: <laughs> do, do you think the risk is there's money to be made and there's things to be sold like to, and, and you can arguably say it's, it's quite clever. Like someone cottoned onto that, that, that status means um, profit. And suddenly if I can upsell, you know, you or, or Simon or Andy on, on the next car, well then someone's looking over the, the garden wall or the hedge going, Oh, they've got that. Well, I, I now need to get this because you know, that's part of my identity and, and creating separation you know you hear, I, I hear the term culture war a lot like how many boxes do we get put in on a daily basis are oh, you voted for this you are x and then you do this and you belong to this group and this group and this and it it just seems to be I guess like that's the path to destruction in my head and that's that sounds quite you know prophetic or whatever but you, you kind of just go in Maybe we just need to take down some of these barriers. This, this constant, oh, so and so over there that thinks this or does this, and I fall into that trap every day. Like, and Twitter's horrendous for this, and I try and try and not do it, but it's 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 asking you to make judgments all the time on people and saying what they do, and and,
2: and but we're all familiar with the expression "divide and rule." Phil, everybody yeah. knows "divide and rule," and it's so. What's division? It's separation. It's the it's the absence of love. It's that forgetting that you are one with everything else. And it's falling. It's it's it's
3: identifying with the mind, isn't it? Because that's what the mind does. So the mind does inevitably does go, oh, uh, they've got this or like the mind rushes to judgments. But then we have a choice. I don't you can't stop the mind doing that, but you can choose whether or not to identify with it. And I think most people are identified with people talk about self-image a lot. Right. Oh, it changes your self-image. Well, what is that? If you know, it's an image that you're aware of. So it can't be you um so you know i think uh yeah just well that's it basically you know I don't know if i rounded that point out the old brain went the old mind see the mind is a funny thing right it just conks out <laughs> occasionally but yeah so so in, in a nutshell we have a choice whether or not to identify with our mind's habitual re- responses
2: so this brings it brings it neatly back to the the what you know the way i kind of set this up which is that The way we, so in the moment, in the present moment, the moment of perception, everything is one. And then inevitably the mind creates a model of it. So I'm looking out of my window now, and then I see what I see. And then the next thing is, well, that's a tree. That's a greenhouse. Mm -hmm. That's a next door neighbor. That's how we make sense of, of, of our experience is by putting labels on it. And if, something's, if something has a label on it, it means it's not me, which means that I'm something else. So the separation is created in the very next thought that follows every single perception that we have. And if you think, that, you know, if you think that's happening a billion times a day, you know, there is no, in, in, in that moment of, of perception, there's no time, there's no space, it's just experience. And then the mind labels it and judges it. And that's fine. You know, that's how, that's unfortunately how, or fortunately how we've evolved. If we hadn't managed to, if, if we hadn't evolved as organisms to do that, we wouldn't have survived because, you know, if I'm looking around and then I see a tiger, it's useful to know that that's a tiger and that I'm not a tiger and that I need to do something. That's how, that's how this, this organism that, that we're, we're having the experience of being it's how it works so it's it's not bad it's not good it's just that's how it is but it it not half help your life if you can understand that that's what's going on and you don't really believe that you are something other than everything else can i just give a quick book recommendation there's a
3: really interesting book called my stroke of insight and it's this this woman who had um uh, she was a neuroscientist she had a stroke i think on uh, I can't remember which hemisphere of the brain blood doesn't really matter, but she had a stroke in a part of the brain that is to do with language and concepts and time and everything like that. And she just went into experience and she said, she, as it was happening, she was like, Oh, this is quite exciting. I'm getting to experience a stroke from the inside out. Who else, who else in my line of work gets to do this? And she was like, Oh, the boundary between like her arm. And the wall that it was resting on just completely blurred. And it just became this, it was like she expanded into everything and said it, and there was no inner dialogue. There was no inner voice. There's nothing like that. And it was just, she said it was absolutely blissful. Anyway, she has made a full recovery, but she's now like, like we get a choice whether or not we turn up as the, the conceptualizing, uh, separating part or more as that other part. The, the you know the true part, not to say the other part isn't entirely true because there is a truth to it, but but that is is inherently yeah I'm it's not I'm the, not that but I'm this no it's just it, it's just I'm everything.
1: So do you know what that makes me think of? Um, I don't know if you've seen The Matrix, but you know when Neo suddenly oh, realizes yeah. that he's in the Matrix and every and he looks at himself and he looks at his arm and it's all just code like that that's the yes. answer for me yeah, yeah. Know you just become part of and i'm not suggesting we are in a matrix i know that that is a theory that that does the rounds every now and again which is which is fascinating in itself but you kind of go in principle yes if the matrix is experienced then you could argue that that's it's not far from I, like, I see i like that code as an analogy for
3: awareness yeah. you know like because yeah. awareness is that that is everything
2: yeah but it, Isn't that the the experience that we all treasure most about sport is that moment where you lose yourself in the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no me, there's no the game, there's no the opponent. There's just an experience unfolding, and the next minute I'm dotting the ball down under the post where it's flying into the top corner, and then you can almost see, you, you know, it's like, what happened there? Yeah, yeah. Because there was no me it felt it felt amazing it was it was freedom it was happiness it was oneness whatever you want to call it it was peace but that's and and that's you know it's becoming more and more clear that the, the 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 feeling of pressure or stress that that we all associate on a moment by moment basis in sport is nothing to do with the game or the situation it's just the the thought arising what does this mean for me and johnny wilkinson that was the big thing that came out of both of those great interviews that he did was that it was it's the me thought that creates the pressure not the game not the situation not mm. the score you know it's the it's the thought of me of I yeah what, that, yeah, what are the implications what are for the implications me? what does this mean for me that's pressure and uh, and and that's as I say that's why you know we talk about pressure in sport but it's it doesn't matter whether that's the pressure of being in sport or in business or in bringing up a family or, you know, doing whatever job it is you do, when you're caught up in the work itself or the, the whatever it is you're doing, there's no pressure in it. The moment it's right, something happens and it's like the me thought appears, that's when you'll feel pressure or stress or anxiety or insecurity or whatever words you want to give that yeah. ugly feeling.
3: Think- and just so phil just real quick just to bring it back to johnny just real quick is is a, i think such a beautiful thing is that like that moment when he kicked the drop goal which is like the easily one of the most seminal moments in english nay british sporting history right it was this beautiful thing where he he that was johnny's first glimpse of it he it, and I love it when he's he described how it, the the sense of me just went as he kicked it, and it was only it, like the second after or two seconds after, suddenly me comes back and he does this little jump. And if you go back and watch it on YouTube, it's actually quite funny. You can see him like, "Christ, I'm back!" He, he looks surprised, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he's he got does.
2: Surprise on his face. Like, <laughs> what what did I just do there? And how that, that happened. And
3: I think that's so lovely, though that 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 was such an important moment. But actually not necessarily for the reason that that we, we people think it you know it, it was um it was a beautiful it was a precipitated all sorts of stuff particularly for johnny
1: I, I think just on that and, and sam's point as well just in the inverse i think we get so much more um Of a joyful feeling again when we remove the me. So, Simon, I I love the story you told about the phone in with the Chelsea supporter when you're in (laughs) with Rupert. That was brilliant, yeah. Which is just genius because you know, you said that supporter feels like they've won the 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 Champions League or the premiership order, whichever one it was. (laughs) Yeah, and it's but that's the joy of because there is no separation. he's actually right though, isn't he? Because they have all done that. Like if you are, as as soon as you, you know, Aguero from Man City, you can see the crowd... Everyone is just experiencing that moment as the ball goes into the goal, and and everybody celebrates it in exactly the same way because they're all part of it. And I just think actually it it works brilliantly in I guess trying to reduce and remove the stress and the frustration and the, and the damaging stuff. But I also think it amplifies the the positivity and the excitement and the celebration, and the love and everything else because you just share so much more in everybody else because it's one and the same and and I think that that's yeah essence of sport right there isn't it like you you just get both ends of that spectrum and and you you are i guess in just a better place because of it which is yeah which is cool um guys i am conscious of your time so um i'm just going to throw a question at you um in terms of if you were going to direct some people to to read some stuff or look at some stuff or we've talked about a few different episodes and podcasts and stuff like what what are your best recommendations for for who people might want to go and uh read about or listen to or or kind of experience what would your what would your top tips be simon we'll come to you first because you can plug your own podcast Um, this is this is the chance to do that
3: well yeah obviously obviously well, okay. Uh, on a separate note, I wouldn't say this is the best place to start, but but um, but do come and have a listen. So the podcast "Life Lessons from Sport and Beyond," but and I, it's really nice to be able to talk about this subject in there and drop it in and and have conversations, whether it be with Rupert or um, or Johnny or whoever else, within the broader context of just general sporty sporty chat. But in terms of what I, I think a good starting place. I actually um, would always recommend. And this is just my personal preference, or my preference would be the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, just because I think it's very accessible, and it's um, it's not it it's uh, it it can speak to you on a sort of number of levels. I haven't actually read it in ages. I much prefer his second book, actually, which is uh, A New Earth. I really love that because it's it's all about what the ego pointing at, at what the ego and and how it shows up and how sneaky it is which i think is so useful particularly if you're going through a difficult time but but i just the power now because it's not it's it's pretty grounded in um it's pretty unmystical and so i think as a sort of entrance point that that would be that's always my sort of yeah go go and try start there and then and then move on
1: to the more complex rupert Spira stuff <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Andy, what are you saying? Have you got any suggestions?
0: I think other than the obvious Sid Banks, which was my gateway into it, I would just say, to your own experience, I would, I would think that's the starting point, because looking for other resources, whilst can be helpful, can also perpetuate the search. I think looking at, at your own experience first is probably your best guide. Awesome. If that makes any sense.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Great answer. Uh, Sam? Um, I just concur, concur with what Andy
2: said there that, that, you know, just the fact that you're listening to this has, you know, that that, that means the, the door's ajar, you know, you, you'd have switched this off an hour ago if, if, if this wasn't resonating. So the fact that you're still here and listening to this is probably a sign that hang on a minute, that, 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 that there is something that's a, a glimmer of something here. So, yeah, I, I, like, I like listening to, to all sorts of things. Um, but I'm not, you know, you get to a point where you're not doing it because you're seeking something. You're doing it because you like listening to this stuff or yeah. you like reading this stuff. Just like you, you, know, you might like listening to whatever music you like listening to. You're not doing it to get anywhere or because you want something necessarily from it. It's not that sort of transactional relationship. It's just I like listening to this stuff. Um for me it's a guy called Francis Lucille, who I really enjoy listening to. Um he's just there's a, a a video on YouTube that he put up a few weeks ago, which is called The World is a University, which I really like. So um have a little listen to that. It's quite a um it, the, the thing I like about Francis is he does, you know, he says I don't do speeches. So everything is based on a question from somebody. Um and that's actually interesting because it's very it's contextual it's 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 coming from somebody else's experience they've had an experience that they're not sure about and this is what Andy's saying is like you know if you look closer at your own experience eventually you start to have some questions about what's going on and that's maybe when it's a good time to talk to a, a teacher or maybe go off and go oh yeah I'm curious about that what can I learn about that but yeah it, it's um I just like the way that he he talks about stuff he's got a funny french sense of humor as well which um always makes me laugh so yeah
3: and, and this is the paradox though isn't it is that we even though we let's say we are all the same all one whatever however you want to put it is that there's still sort of preference or whatever you know like we it's still as andy said there's lots of ways of pointing to the same thing um and and you one person might resonate with you and another might not um you know, obviously there's the three principles. There's Rupert Spira. There's, there's Francis Lucille. You know, Rupert's my go-to. And so there's, within this unity, there's still uh, a multiplicity and diversity of, of preferences, and, and that's fine.
0: That's the humanness of preference. That's all, you know. If players get in touch with me, we're not trying to get rid of preference or tendencies. We're acknowledging that's part of the deal.
2: Hmm. Yeah. That's what makes life interesting, isn't it? It'd be yep, very very yeah. boring if we were all you know we all we all enjoy each other's
1: little quirks and existence <laughs> <inconsistencies laughs> and our own yeah yeah fellas fantastic um yeah I can't thank you enough for this I've absolutely loved it it this will keep me thinking for uh a long while um some brilliant questions some brilliant recommendations as well so i really really do appreciate it uh i'm going to round up the roundup so to all those listening we hope you enjoyed the episode thanks again to the guys for coming on and contributing to um yeah just a really phenomenal discussion links to all the content we discussed and recommended uh will be available in the blurb on rugby coach weekly as always i'd like to thank you for listening wish you all the best and go well